Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode of the All Angels podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sportstring is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They are here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like Sportstring without the vowels. Got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Is it normally? High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! And it's gone! He went to Gary! This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcasts. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. So let's get right into it. First things first, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. We are recording this Sunday night, so... This is probably a day late, a couple days late, but happy Mother's Day. If you haven't messaged, text, seen your mother, make sure you do it by now because uh, let's be honest, the reason why we're here is because all of us have moms. So uh, once again, want to wish all the moms out there happy Mother's Day. So for the first time in a while that I can remember, angels were home during Mother's Day. And I don't know about you guys, but for the past, I think going back to 2016, 2015, Whenever the Angels were home on Mother's Day, me and my brother would take our mom to an Angel game. And because of scheduling and COVID and all that stuff, I don't think they've been home for Mother's Day since, I want to say 2018 or through, I think 2018, I think was our last time there for Mother's Day. So obviously a handful of years since we've been there for Mother's Day and we had to make sure we did it uh, this year with my brother, his kids, my wife, my mom, my mom's boyfriend. So a lot of fun. Uh, quite a bit of people out there in the big A on Sunday, all with their Mother's Day tote bags. And we saw all the pink and pink bats, pink hats, gloves, uh, catching gear. We saw all that throughout the major leagues. That's something that's really, really cool that Major League Baseball does for Mother's Day. And then obviously, too, uh, in June, you'll have Father's Day with all the blues and everything like that. So that's awesome to see uh, on this day for Major League Baseball. So before we get to the actual game on Sunday, which was definitely the most exciting game all weekend long. 
Let's jump backwards a couple of days to Friday, the opening day of this series with the Angels coming back home from a two-city road trip, Chicago and Boston. So they got done with Boston on Thursday afternoon, jumped on a flight, got back to Anaheim, you know, probably around 10, 11-ish at night and had to get set for this three-game set against Washington. The good news was Washington was coming from the East Coast as well on the same around the same time frame, so there wasn't a advantage, let's say, if Washington had like a day off or anything like that before this game. But the Angels are now on the back end of their 20-game straight, um, I don't want to say series, but 20 straight games schedule, 20 games in 20 days. So the longest one they'll have all season long. And when this started, way back when the Angels were playing uh, Baltimore on the 22nd, I had a feeling that winning early games in this uh, in that part of the season would help them later on in this part. Because, again, 20 games in 20 days, that's a lot to ask for any professional athlete. And so with baseball, with them playing almost every day, you're bound to run into that sooner or later during your schedule. So I guess the good part is, is that it happened early, got it out of the way. It, it, I think it would really, really suck if it came after the All-Star break where you're already kind of feeling the effects of the regular season, if you will. But it happened early. Again, they started this 12 games in 12 days on the 22nd in Bal- against Baltimore and Angel Stadium, and now they are going to um, have a day off on Thursday. But let's talk about Friday's game again. Coming back to Anaheim, the big question was who was going to start for the Angels? Who was going to be their starting pitcher? They left Boston without announcing their starter for Friday. I believe they had already, they announced the starter for uh, Saturday and Sunday, but when, before they left uh, Boston, they did not say who was going to start Friday. A lot of talk around that time, though, that it would be Jonathan Diaz because of the fact that that day he was scratched from a start he was supposed to have and triple a salt lake so that was obviously the big rumor going around uh, i think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall that it was going to be him but madden and the angels had yet to confirm it was going to be him and you know i don't blame them but not blame them i guess i don't care that they don't they validate that it's going to be this pitcher pitching on a friday or whatever especially when it's a new guy coming up from the minor leagues because you know, why not hold that information? Not only, I mean, I, get, I understand from the fans, but why not hold that information from the opponent? Maybe you give them a second thing to think about as far as who's pitching. Is it going to be this guy or that guy? And now they kind of have to start doing the research on both instead of, oh, we know it's going to be, you know, Jonathan Diaz. Let's pull up some of his AAA film and let's see how he did or let's see how he did in spring training. So they kind of kept that under wraps until Monday or until Friday morning when uh, – News came out that obviously Jonathan Diaz was going to start the game for the Angels. So it always helps when you come out with a lead, and that's what happened with the Angels when they score on a fielder's choice by Shohei Otani, a sharp hit single to first base. Taylor Ward scores, making it 1-0. And Diaz would actually have a really good game throughout the throughout the rest of this game. He would end up going five innings pitched, only giving up three hits, four strikeouts, four walks on... 67 pitches so again not terrible first major league start this year angels did see him a bit last year so 
it's not exactly like a MLB debut. It's not exactly like his first time in the majors. He's been here before. He's done this before. But coming up, and I don't know if it's going to be a spot start. I don't know what his long-term standing with the team is going to be. We'll have to wait and see. But for this outing, it was actually done. He was he did really, really well. So the game would stay a pitching duel still at 1-0 until the bottom of the fifth when Mike Trout comes up and hits a double. A drive, center field, going back. That one's going to get down off the wall. One run is in. Two runs are in. And that's a two-run double for Mike Trout, 3-0 Angels. And that's all the Angels would, Angels would need. Like I mentioned, Diaz would come and be done after five innings and hands it over to the bullpen where, again, we get another shutout performance by the bullpen. We go Ortega, Tapera, Loop, and Iglesias all throwing an inning. Uh, Ortega the only one to give up a hit, but zeros across the board all everywhere else. So Angels end up taking the first game of the three-game set against the Washington Nationals 3 Zero, and like I mentioned before, it, it you have to win these series at home, especially the three-game series against teams that are going to uh, maybe not play as well as the teams you're going to play in the future. Washington has been struggling, and it, honestly, it has been mostly their pitching. But to keep their bats kind of in check for that first game was a huge part of the victory for the Angels. Going now into Saturday night, Michael Lorenzen takes the mound for the Angels. Looking for to build on these performances he's having. We mentioned in Texas he had that rough outing, but it seemed like the two after that he's really built up a great, great performance. And especially the last one that he had out in Chicago where he was a couple outs short of having a complete game shutout. Obviously, the bullpen kind of had their issues at the end of that game. Angels were still able to pull it out. But Lorenzen looked really, really good for the first eight innings of that game. So hoping to build back from that, hoping to build on top of that, hoping to see it's the same kind of um, mindset and the same kind of uh, production from Lorenzen this time against the Washington Nationals. But in the first inning, he would end up giving up a solo shot to Josh Bell to get the score at 1-0. to zero. And if you remember me kind of previewing i guess a little bit of the of this series and the last podcast there was three guys that i really was kind of worried about or three guys i felt like you kept them in check you'd do okay and one of those guys was josh bell their first baseman um he got a hold of one he was able to hit a home run again making it one zero in the second inning they would end up adding another home run uh the washington nationals will to make it two zero the nationals would end up adding two more in the fourth inning to push their lead to 4-0. But in the bottom of the fourth, Angels get a little bit of momentum with a Jared Walsh home run to make it 4-1, to this being Jared Walsh's fifth home run of the year. And a couple batters later with Max Stassi on base, Brandon Marsh comes up to the plate and actually drills one all the way to deep center field to make the score 3-4. to Angels are now with, with within one after four so we go to the top of the fifth inning in the fifth inning Michael Lorenzen comes out onto the mound after getting two quick outs he gives up a single to Josh Bell and that would be it for his day he would end up going forward two-thirds innings giving up five hits five runs two walks seven strikeouts and two long balls so the next pitcher up was Elvis 
Poguero, uh, a guy that I think if you remember was brought in in that trade with New York for Heaney. Uh, last trade deadline, he comes in, first batter up, gives up a home run to one of those guys I, I was mentioning before the series that you can't let beat you, Nelson Cruz. So the Angels went from being down by one to being down by three. And I've always, always felt, and I think I kind of got the idea from Gooby because it makes perfect sense. Whenever your offense scores, you want to now that next half inning throw out a zero on the scoreboard because you can't let that other team feel like they're they're still in it or that you're snipping at their heels. You need to be able to throw a zero up there so they can now kind of go back to the drawing board or at least not have the momentum on the side. I feel like after that home run by Brandon Marsh, the momentum obviously was a lot on the Angels. They just needed to get out of this last half inning, keep it the deficit within one, and work their way to a comeback because we've seen it before. Angels can make a comeback. Angels are capable of making a comeback, but you definitely don't want to make it harder on yourself than you need to be. And giving up that home run in the very next inning definitely made it a lot harder. The Nationals ended up adding a couple more, making the final score 7-3. to three. Obviously not a great game by the Angels. Uh, the pitching performance by the Angels was okay. You saw, again, Ellis Poguero gave up a home run. So he has two earned runs on his um, on his on his line. You have Bearclaw who made his uh, Angels debut today go in there for two innings. He did fine. And then uh, Jimmy Herget ended up finishing the game and also doing good and uh, shutting everything out. But Angels just really ran into a buzzsaw as far as Jonah Gray, the starting pitcher for the Nationals. And if you remember, uh, the trade with Scherzer and uh, last year with the Dodgers, he was one of the key pieces in that trade, a guy that is um, supposed to be actually really, really good, a high-level prospect that the Dodgers had that had to, they had to give up for Max Scherzer. So even though he might not be well-known right now, only 24 years old, this guy is has the stuff to be a very good front-of-the-line rotation piece for the Nationals. So unfortunately, you would love to take advantage and go up 2-0 in a series like this, but you know when you start facing a guy that you might not recognize because he is so young and he does have good stuff, days, nights like this will happen, and it's all about how the Angels bounce back. And so... Going into Sunday, again, Sunday, Mother's Day, uh, before this game, we got more news. We have we got news like all throughout this series. Like before every game, there was some kind of a transaction going on with the Angels roster. We had David Fletcher before this game going on the IL, and I'll get back. I'll get into all of the kind of transactions and how that all, I feel like, kind of shapes the Angels going forward um, after this recap of the week weekend games. But just know that there's a bunch that happened. Some of them you might be aware of. Some of them you might not be aware of. So let's get to Sunday's game. Again, like I mentioned, um, Mother's Day, pink's all over the place. Mom's all in the stands. Um, you saw if you watched it on FS, not FS1, sorry, on Bally Sports West, you saw that they interviewed a couple mothers. One mother you might be familiar with, Alana Hicks. If you haven't listened to the Mother's Day special from our last uh, podcast coming out beginning of the weekend. Uh, I definitely recommend go back there and, and check it out. She was interviewed on the, on the TV. So was Taylor Wade's uh, mother was also on the uh, Tyler Wade's mother was also on the TV. So very cool to see that. Very cool to kind of get the mom shout out out there during the 
during the broadcast, stuff like that. So definitely, if you didn't see it, I'm sure it's all over Twitter and all that stuff. So coming into the game, Patrick Sandoval is coming up. Patrick Sandoval is the starting pitcher. I mean, you know, Patrick is fun to watch in my eyes because you really don't know necessarily what you're going to get from him. And some of that could be good and some of that could be bad, but like he could very easily go seven, eight innings, strike out nine, maybe give up like three hits and a run and have like a solid, solid outing. Or there's sometimes where it does seem like he doesn't seem to find his he doesn't have the feel for the pitches early and he struggles and maybe he only goes for five innings. Like it is a very kind of hot and cold with Patrick Sandoval. you never know really what you're going to get, but when he is on, it's a lot of fun to watch. He ends up getting a lot of swings and misses. And that always, I think as angel fans is always fun to see um, guys frustrated because of either a, they didn't lay off that pitch or B that they let one go right down the middle and they just were not ready for it. And they get frustrated. They, they feel like they take it on their bat. They break the bat and all that stuff. So he's one of those guys that make professional hitters look silly at times with his changeup. So whenever he's on the mound, it's always a lot of fun to watch it. So the game got off to a relatively slow start. Patrick Sandoval had a very, very good first inning. I think, uh, I think six, Six, no, nine pitches, I believe, in the first inning. And in the first bottom of the first, Angels missed out on a golden opportunity when they had the bases loaded with two outs with Max Stassi to come up to the, come up to the plate. Ends up grounding out zero runs. Well, it would be 0-0 all the way to the third inning when Juan Soto grounds into a force out. But this, it, it, this out, this play, you should have seen it by now, could have been so much worse. Um, I believe the, there's uh, runners at the corners. This ground ball to shortstop Andrew Velasquez, who, you know, if it wasn't for his glove and his gold glove caliber of play, he wouldn't even be sniffing the Angels right now. But his gold glove play right now is keeping him in the lineup, keeping him there on the defensive side. And he showed why on this play where he gets a play. He wasn't necessarily able to turn two because he had a slide and stop and it would have been a really hard play. But instead of panicking, what does he do? He gets the ball out of his glove, flips it. Behind his back, the Taylor Wade to get the force out there. Granted, the guy on third scores, but like I mentioned, this could have been a lot worse. This could have been a regular base hit, and now you're looking at guys at uh, first and first and second with with only two outs. So this play was absolutely bonkers. And if you haven't seen it uh, yet on uh, Twitter or Instagram or anything like that, I highly, highly recommend go back to Sunday's highlights and and look at it because I can play the the audio on here. But it's not going to do justice to what he did, what uh, Andrew Velasquez did on this play. You have to actually go out there and watch it with your hands because, or with your eyes, because uh, it is a great, great stop by a shortstop. And hopefully that bat does come around at some point. Hopefully that bat does um, show up. And just even if that means the bat's not not hitting 300 necessarily hopefully that means he's getting it up to like the 250 260 mark and is able to just contribute at times at the plate because with his glove he might not be scoring a lot of runs but he is definitely saving a lot of runs and this play showed it but unfortunately like i mentioned the guy at third scored now making it 1-0 nationals and in the sixth inning the nationals would get another run when nelson cruz scores on a sack fly off of patrick sandoval again that makes the score 2-0. Sandoval would face one more batter before getting pulled out of the game in the sixth inning. His line looks like five and two-thirds innings, seven hits, 
three runs, three walks, five strikeouts. He had a very good first inning, like I mentioned, but after that, he seemed to have um, a little struggle finding his command and putting guys on base, walking guys. And luckily, there was really good defense played behind him, or else I think it would have been a lot worse than what it was. But like I mentioned, he got into the sixth inning, able to strike out five. But when Mike Myers came in, he would end up giving up another run, another single, to make the score 3-0 Washington Nationals after the top of the six. So going into this bottom of the six, Angels struggling to get any kind of offensive production at the whole game. And when they did, they left guys on base numerous times. Like I mentioned, in the first inning, they had probably their best chance to really break the game open with bases loaded two outs and were not able to convert on that. So it takes all the way to the bottom of the six when Jack Mayfield, who is pitch hitting for Tyler Wade, comes up to, with two on and does this. Mayfield goes the other way, and he delivers. That's going to score Jared Walsh. Here comes Max Stassi, and the decision pays off. It's 3-2. Now we go all the way to the top of the seventh, the next half inning, and kind of like we talked about in that first game, it's very important, very important for that pitcher to go out there and throw zeros on the board right after your offense puts you within striking distance of taking the lead or tying the game. You already have the momentum on your side. Now you got to do is just keep it. But unfortunately, Josh Bell again singles a ground ball to right field, and which allows Cesar Hernandez to score, making the score four to two after seven. And it would stay that way all the way to the bottom of the ninth, where now the Angels are getting down to the last handful of outs. Now you have Jack Mayfield, Luis Ranjifo, who pitched hit for Andrew Velasquez. And Taylor weighed up one, two, three in this inning. Jack Mayfield would strike out uh, swinging, giving the Nationals only two outs away. Renifo, like I mentioned, he comes in, pitch hits for Andrew Velasquez and is able to work a walk to get on base to just hopefully start some kind of a rally for the Angels. Next batter up, Taylor, Taylor Ward comes in, singles, again, moves everyone over. At this point, with two on, everyone's getting up. Everyone's standing up. Mike Trout's at the plate, able to win this game with one swing of the bat. Unfortunately, he strikes out for the second out of the game. But right behind him, reigning, defending, MVP Shohei Otani comes up and does this. Otani drives that one. Center field. Back out of his Robles. Off the wall. Here comes Ward. That's going to tie the ball game. Shohei Otani with the double. We're knotted up at four. So at this point, worst thing that can happen is that the Angels and Nationals go to extra innings um, after that two RBI double by Shohei Otani. And very next batter, the ex-National, kind of the, the, the storyline coming into this series was Anthony Rendon playing his former team for the first time. Obviously, if you don't remember, winning the World Series with them uh, in 2019 was a huge, huge, huge part of that team season and that playoff run. So it would be really interesting to see how he would do at the plate against his former team with the game on the line, and he would deliver. Rendon drives that one to center 
field. Shohei Otani's being sent by Phil Nevin. The throw to the plate. Otani is. He's saved. The Angels walk it off and win the series. Anthony Rendon comes up big. Walk-off victory by the Angels. Light that baby up. Very exciting game. Looking at a, I would feel like, a devastating series loss to the Nationals. Flipped it around in the last inning of the game to take the series win two games out of three. And again, with a team like the Nationals, you have to at least win the series two out of three. You're at home. You know, you're doing well. You want to continue to do well. You want to continue to make yourself a contender. And that's exactly what the Angels did by coming back and winning this game against the Nationals. So that's it for the series against the Nationals. We'll look ahead at what's going on with the teams coming into Anaheim before their day off and all the transaction moves that happened this weekend. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. So now looking ahead to the next series for the Angels is another home series against the Tampa Bay Rays. This is going to be a really, really good series for the Angels to really test themselves. Tampa Bay is coming in at 18 and 11 and only two games back of the New York Yankees for the lead in the AL East. While the Angels still sit on top of the AL West, 19 and 11, but only a half game up on the uh, Houston Astros who are playing some really good baseball right now and have won seven in a row. So hopefully, again, Angels were able to take two out of three in this series against the Rays, but this is probably going to be the toughest test they've had in quite a while, probably since I would say, oh man, maybe even since when they faced the Houston Astros in Houston back, um, when was it? April, April 18th to the April 20th. This is going to be the toughest test the Angels have since then. So like I mentioned, a three game set against Tampa Bay in Anaheim, a great way to start off this series. Noah Syndergaard on the mound, um, Hopefully he's able to put one of those absolutely gems back out there. Had a little bit of a rough outing last time, but I think he's able to rise to the occasion. And I think he's the type of guy that will see the challenge ahead of him as far as the Tampa Bay Rays and know what their standing is and know how good this team is and able to perform really, really well against them. So that's on Monday, 638 start and now when we go to tuesday tuesday bobblehead day shohei otani mvp bobblehead giveaway at the stadium and if i remember correctly from listening to the broadcast i believe on on friday that they're going to have a whole presentation before the game so if you are planning to go to the game make sure you get inside the stadium early they're going to have all of otani's awards over last season so you're talking about like mvps and the i don't know if that commissioner award has an actual trophy that goes with it well if it does it will be there 
all his other accolades that he had last year will be um, on display, and I'm sure they'll talk about it before the game. So if you're going to Tuesday game and you're looking for that Shohei Otani bobblehead, make sure you get there early so you can see all the pregame festivities. On the mound is going to be Reed Detmers against Corey Kluber. And obviously you remember Corey Kluber from his time with the, at the time, Indians. And then he went to Texas for a little bit. Didn't really work that well with Texas, but now is in Tampa Bay. And the weird thing now that he's with Tampa Bay, he's all of a sudden pretty good again. <laughs> one and one with a 2.36 ERA. Uh, struck, out, struck out 25 guys. So again, a good pitching duel. Reed Detmers is a, is a project that needs to continue to develop and continue to take the steps forward, and hopefully he does that. So that's the Tuesday game. Now going into the last game of the series and the last game of this 20 games and 20, game, 20 days stretch for the Angels. And you have reigning MVP coming off a great Boston outing, Shohei Otani taking the mound once again for the 4 o'clock game on Wednesday. And if he pitches like he does, like he did in Houston and the way he did in Boston, there's not many teams out there that are going to be able to touch him. And that includes the Tampa Bay Rays. So I think we should by now, when you watch, have a feeling of how he's going to pitch within the first inning and a half, two innings of um, of him out there. Normally, if he rolls through those first two innings, it's going to be a good day. If he struggles with command, struggles with location, it could be one of those games where he might be able to work through five or work through six, but it's going to be some high leverage, some very um, tough positions he's going to be able, he's probably going to be put in. So keep an eye out for that when you're watching the game. How do the first two innings for Shohei go? Are they smooth? If they're smooth, then I think he's in for the long haul. He's probably going to do some you know, historic stuff. It seems like every single time he's out there on the mound, he does something historic. So definitely keep a lookout for that. This game, it will be also televised on FS1, just so if you're looking for um, an alternative uh, viewing, if you will, it does look like it's going to be on FS1 and Bally Sports West. So, you know, if you're listening to us at a different state or anything like that they will be on fs1 you can watch it that way as well so that's going to wrap up the three game set again a very very competitive three game set coming to angel stadium the beginning of this week again tampa bay rays coming in 18 and 11 while the angels are 19 11 so by record two very equal teams and if you look at like their preseason rankings and preseason predictions and all that stuff Pretty equal there, too, as far as two teams competing for playoff spots by the end of the year. So this is going to be a really good test for the Angels. This is going to be one of the harder games they're going to – harder teams they're going to face within the last month. And we'll have to see how it plays out. After this, obviously, they go to Oakland and then Texas. So you get a little bit of a break there. But you really want to take take it to the guys that you might see in the playoffs. You might want to put a little bit of doubt in the back of their head if you do see them in the playoffs and the way Tampa Bay Rays been playing, there is a very good chance that you will see them in the playoffs. All right. So let's talk about a little bit of the transactions that happened over this last weekend. <laughs> like I mentioned before, uh, pretty much every day before the game, there was some kind of roster transitions, uh, transactions. So starting out on Friday, you optioned 
uh, Jose Rojas to Salt Lake, and that's what brought up Jonathan Diaz to the Angels for that start. On Saturday, the Angels select the contract of Kyle Bearclaw from Salt Lake City and then optioned Jonathan Diaz to Salt Lake City. So a great outing. We'll probably end up seeing him again at some point during the year, but going back to Salt Lake to make uh, room for Kyle Bearclaw, an arm out of the bullpen. And with the day off coming up on Thursday, Madden has said there might not be a need for a six-rotation uh, guy uh, this time around. And when it does come back around, you could see him, you could see Berea, could see Suarez. You know, that sixth spot, I think it's going to be kind of a rotation all year long as far as who you see. I don't know if they're going to have a consistent guy in that sixth spot. The first five seem pretty locked down. And I mentioned this before with Shohei, Noah, uh, uh, Lorenzen, Detmers, and Sandoval. Those guys seem to be pretty locked down in their spots, and that six spots where you're going to see a lot of the the movement and, and all that stuff. So not only did that happen on Saturday, but you also had Kurt Suzuki on the 10-day injured list with no um, designation why. And that is a pretty good clue that it is COVID-related. Normally, if... And again, a lot of people had that question about, well, is this quote-unquote stomach bug that's been going around or the guys that all of a sudden show up and they're not feeling well on the Angels, is that COVID? And it's not because they're not getting anyone. They're not putting them on the IL. In this situation and in the Duffy situation, as soon as they were sick or anything like that, they put them on the IL, they're able to get help right away. So it does look like Kurt Suzuki is dealing with some kind of COVID issue right now. But they did select the contract. select the contract of Chad Wallach from Salt Lake City. So with this, I saw this question kind of floating around during like on Twitter when all this stuff was happening. And I don't know if anyone out there put a reason why or an, or, um, or not a reason, but an explanation why they're able to now select two guys, Kyle and Chad, who are not on the 40-man roster, but now are able to put them on the 40-man roster without any other uh, moves. And that's because when you're on the COVID list, and this goes back to 2020, when you're on a COVID IL list, your spot on the 40-man roster also comes open. So you don't necessarily need to pluck from your 40-man roster if the guy on the IL is has COVID symptoms and is on the COVID IL. So now when Suzuki and um, Duffy, whenever he comes back, you wouldn't you you can send those guys back down and you would be okay. You won't, you won't have to DFA unless they do a really good job. And then at a certain point you would have to DFA someone to make room for them on the 40 man roster. But right now, because of the COVID illnesses by both Duffy and by um, now looks like Kerr Suzuki, those two spots are wide open and you don't necessarily have to move anyone else on the 40 man. So those two guys are probably going to be sent down once the regular major leaguers are back and healthy. And that's something to kind of look out for. So, that was Saturday's games. We'll see how this back, how the backup catcher position plays out for uh, the upcoming days with Stassi. Um, I don't know if Madden is going to want to have um, Chad, uh, who was was catching in Salt Lake, you know, for the most of the season this year, got called not called up, but was part of the taxi squad for the last handful of handful of series. 
I don't know how much Madden's going to want him to be catching as far as every other day, every two days, every three days, or anything like that. So you probably will probably start seeing more Stassi during the week and less of that kind of rotation part until Kurt comes back. So some, again, some other movement that happened this today, Sunday before the game Sunday, you had uh, Kenny Rosenberg was optioned down to AAA Salt Lake. Renjifo was called up from AAA Salt Lake. David Fletcher was placed on the 10-day IL with his left hip strain. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it is. It's the same hip injury that's been giving him issues dating back to spring training. Obviously, he was out for a while. Tried to rehab it, tried to uh, physical therapy and all that stuff to get back on the field, got back on the field. Some stuff still doesn't didn't seem right as far as him running, um, the aggressiveness of him going after balls. It just it didn't seem like the old David Fletcher. And it probably could end up that he needs surgery now. You know, you kind of you kind of go over all you can before surgery. Surgery is always the last option for teams. Uh, I know I get a lot of people, well, why didn't they just do the surgery to begin with and start the rehab right away? Again, surgery is always the last option for teams. And honestly, too, it's like if you had an, if, if yourself had a knee discomfort or a knee issue and your doctor said, well, we can give you surgery or we can just try to rehab it. And if, it, and if it's not as bad as we think it is, you'll be perfectly fine with the rehab. And I think that's what happened with, with Fletcher. Now it's beyond that point, And now they're probably going to need surgery. He should be back before the end of the year. I don't know exactly what that timetable looks like. If it's all-star break, post-all-star break, pre-all-star break, you know, August, September. I'm not sure what that timeline is set for. But what I will say is that I don't think, and this might be an unpopular decision, but I don't think the Angels are going to miss David Fletcher all that much with some of the guys they have playing that middle infield spot right now whether it's Velasquez, whether it's you know Mayfield coming in on Sunday and pitch hitting and having a great spot and doing um, in a key hit at a key situation. Wade, again, is proving that he belongs out there to lay down a perfect bunt with two strikes on him to get on base to, uh, on Sunday. So he's able to produce as well. So I don't know necessarily if this injury to David Fletcher is really going to affect the Angels too much. At least they're starting guys too much. Now, obviously, it's going to hurt the depth part of the team. You would rather have Fletcher out there probably than Renjifo, at least defensively, but Renjifo does have a certain top, certain type of pop off the bat that I don't think Fletcher has. So you might see Renjifo more as a pitch hitter late. Definitely, I can't see him as a defensive replacement with the Angels when the Angels have a lead. So... That's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And then also, first baseman, but I think I saw him also be playing some outfield too, uh, but has him listed under here as Aaron uh, Whitefield from Rocket City Trash Pandas getting um, his contract selected by the Angels, a 25-year-old outfield. Yeah, they have him as an outfielder and first baseman. Um, last played, it looks like, with the Minnesota Twins, Australian guy. Uh, but like I mentioned, he spent some time with Minnesota last year, was with the Angels AA affiliate, this Rocket City Trash Pandas, 
since obviously the beginning of the year in April, got the call and now is with the Angels. And we'll see how he plays out if he is that fourth outfielder, seeing that the Angels until today didn't have a true fourth outfielder. Um, you had guys there that played there sparingly, like with Walsh and Mayfield during the Boston series. But now that the Green Monster is not there and it is a bigger outfield to patrol, uh, you do need a typical outfielder for days off. Uh, we'll see how the Aaron uh, how Aaron does with possibly platooning with Marsh, seeing that he is a righty, and then obviously Brandon Marsh is a lefty. If that's the way it goes, we'll have to wait and see till the first time the Angels play a lefty. If that's how Madden's going to play it out, and another move the Angels made on Sunday was signing outfielder. Juan Lagares. And if you remember him from last year, he was part of the Angels team last year. He was part of that outfield shuffle that you saw a lot of guys play the outfield last year due to injury or just because they needed guys out there. But yeah, he is signed on a minor league contract for the Angels. Right-handed hitter. Great, great defense. Um, he's a former Golden Glove winner when he was with the Mets a handful of years back. He is not that type of outfielder still but he is still very good defensively in the outfield and I always wonder why or how long you get to hold on to that distinction as a gold glove caliber outfielder or gold glove caliber infielder if you win a gold glove you know when you're 24 let's say and now you're 34 are you still that gold glove caliber type of player are you still as fast are you still able to catch as much are you still able to um, do all that stuff. I don't know, but it just seems like whenever they brought him up there or they, they talked about him on the broadcast, he's like, oh, gold glove caliber defense. And I'm like, you won the gold glove like six years ago. I don't know. I, there's things I, can, I can't do now that I could have done six years ago. So I don't know how long you get that kind of distinction for an achievement, even though it's a great achievement that you got, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. So that's it with the Angels transactions over the weekend. Again, a handful of them. Some of them we should see how they play out fairly soon. Ones like Juan Lagares is is the type you kind of put in the back of your head and see how he progresses with his time with AAA Salt Lake and see if he does is if he is able to contribute to the team as a fourth outfielder, maybe a defensive replacement at some time. So that's definitely something to kind of keep your eyes out and kind of see what's going to play in the long run. But you know, obviously. A, a two-game series win over the Washington Nationals is, is something to be excited for, but I am beyond excited to see how this next series goes. Like I mentioned, we're going to talk about it. They're going to have an off day on Thursday, so we'll probably end up recording the podcast Thursday evening, Thursday night, so we can get all the latest news out there to you guys before they start their series out in Oakland. But if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, make sure you email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. And you follow us on our social media feeds at halo underscore haven. Um, and that's our Instagram and our Twitter. And real quick, I want to give a shout out to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation. You might have seen that over the weekend we did a ticket giveaway for Tuesday's game, four tickets to uh, the Angels game on Tuesday great 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 turnout for that contest that giveaway um 
if you didn't win, I'm sorry. There was this, I mean, if you look at it, look at the comment section, there was like, last I looked, there was like 1,200 comments of people that nominated someone for these tickets. Hopefully, we do something like this more as uh, the season plays on. So make sure you follow us at Halo underscore Haven so you don't miss out on any of this. And go ahead and go over to the Tyler Skaggs Foundation and give them a follow. You know, usually when we do something like this, they're a great partner to, to, to partner up with and, and do something with them. And they do a lot of great things for the community. So go ahead and follow Tyler Skaggs Foundation um, on Twitter, on Instagram, and just obviously TylerSkaggsFoundation.org where you can make a donation or, you know, nothing is too small. Or I believe they still have their, their clothes, sweaters, sweatshirts, T-shirts. Um, I saw a like a hydro flask out there too. So definitely check it out if you're in the market for any of those stuff. They do really, really great work. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the All Angels Podcast. Again, we will be back Thursday um, to talk about this Tampa Bay Rays series and looking ahead to the next road trip for the guys out in Oakland. So until next time, I am your host, Daniel Garcia, and that's been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shana's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.